0: Episode 27 of the Lewis and Kyle Show with Thomas Lorinovichus.
1: So, I think in our world, we have this huge problem where, you know, like we're learning business from people who are teachers by default, they are teachers who teach business. And best business people, they don't teach because they're busy doing business. So you never understand like why they're successful, how they're operating, and you know, like what's the deal with them. So there's huge opportunity for people as well, uh, for, for us to, you know, like I'm a writer by default, but if I master another skill as design, I can write about design from designer's perspective.
2: Hello and welcome to the Lewis and Kyle Show, an interview podcast where Lewis and I document and share our journey to improve and learn more about entrepreneurship, investing, and health. By having deep conversations and interviews with incredible mentors, we want to share what we learn with you all. Lewis, who do we have on the show today?
0: Hey, Kyle. In this interview, we talk to Thomas Lorenavichus, a Lithuanian lifestyle blogger and content marketer who's someone I've been a longtime reader of. I was extremely excited to have this opportunity to speak with him and pick his brain, as they say, about his thoughts on habits and routines, the books that he reads, the productivity software that he uses, his opinions on being very structured versus kind of being more free-flowing in life, as well as his lessons from being essentially a digital nomad for five years. It was an awesome conversation. He went way deep right off the bat, which was awesome, and kind of sent us for a wild ride, which ended up leading to a really thought-provoking and worthwhile conversation. I hope you all enjoy it as much as we did. And with that, we are going to cut to the interview. All right. Hey, Thomas, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I've been a reader of your work for, I mean, since the beginning of my freshman year of college two to three years ago. So this is uh, really exciting for me. So I'm
1: really excited to have this conversation with you. Well I appreciate, appreciate it and uh did you do you remember how how did you find was was medium was it a newsletter what was it
0: honestly it might have been just on google it might Search, be yeah, a, nice. based on searching for something specific like yeah. uh, either a book list or a summary of a book or like a listicle about productivity tools something like that believe it or not That's it's true. probably how i first found you
2: lewis went oh, through nice. a life a life transformation his freshman year of college and I, don't, I don't uh, know about I, that He was doing a lot of search terms related around productivity, so I'm sure that it it somewhere around there.
0: Yeah, Uh, so from what I've read and seen from all your your blogging and your newsletters, that you've had a pretty incredible journey over the past three, four, five years, over 50 countries in five years, if I have that right. So from the outside, it's kind of hard to explain what you've done for a career, for work. So I'm going to let you answer that question. When you meet a new person, how do you answer that question about what you do or what you've done?
1: I don't want to jump too deep into, into, you know, like philosophizing about it, but I got really like tired of, of traveling and, you know, hearing the same thing over and over again, because in the end, I I don't really care, you know, like what people do or where they're from, because once you tell me, you know, like, oh, I'm from Alabama or I'm from Arizona or whatever. I instantly have some kind of like preconceptions, you know, like some kind of a stereotypes about the person or the place or, you know, like just a- any kind of like pre-made, you know, like bias that this person is this or that. So so I usually try not to even introduce myself, you know, like someone just asks me like, so what do you do? And I'm like, I like strawberries. And they're like, oh, this guy is a weirdo. So they just, you know, like they walk away. But, but yeah, like that. <laughs> But generally, you know, like traveling, maybe we, we we can talk more about like the, the you know, like the good and bad about travel. But up until recently, I mostly I was doing content marketing for, you know, like the, the professionally professional part and uh, to pay the bills and get uh, capital for my own projects. And then uh, until recently, I was doing it almost full time. And uh, right now I'm doing like half time is content marketing, consulting and freelance writing. And other part is uh, focusing on my own projects. So I still uh, run my my newsletter, which is uh, monthly right now, live design. And then uh, we just recently launched. Well, I I kind of like build it myself. a Job board for conner writers. It's called conner writing jobs. And then I just realized, yeah, it's just it's just gonna take too much time. Uh, just to run it myself. So I teamed up with my uh, friend and he's a, he's a co-founder right now. So, so my focus is split into, into two parts and in between, I, I constantly, you know, like trying different things and uh, we're developing a couple of apps uh, with my brother. He's a, a, an iOS developer here in Lithuania. So yeah, I would, I would say like half of the time is professionally doing like content marketing, consulting, and then uh, other parts are just uh, really, playing with with different projects that most of the time really increase my value as a consultant
0: sure Can you define content marketing for us because not everyone's familiar with what that is right
1: i think everyone has like their own definition and the the one that i like is you know like i i like to compare it with blogging where blogging is kind of like you know like your your journal your your kind of like a diary where you can just uh easily express yourself with no real uh, end goal, Some people, you know, like they're professional bloggers who, who do it for money, but there are people like, like I do sometimes just, I just want to express myself because I feel it's fulfilling or I feel that I need to get out, you know, like some ideas from my head. And sometimes these, these ideas help other people. So in blogging, there's no like clear goal where in content marketing, I feel it has to have a specific endpoint, so you're not just doing it just to have it. You know, presence online. You're doing it to increase sales or increase traffic, but uh, but generally, you're you're doing it to get your target audience to go through the funnel. So funnel, uh, a customer journey or customer experience, whatever you call it. So it's it's just about building an asset that works. You know, like passively, uh, it basically serves your business to to make more sales or more traffic. And what I like about content marketing the most when you compare it to paid advertising is that it compounds. So you don't have to worry about doing it all all over again and paying for it. Because, you know, like once you stop paying for ads on Facebook or AdWords, your traffic stops and your sales drop. Where with content marketing, you can take advantage of organic search that uh, increases all the time and you don't have to do it all over again. So
2: that's a very complex and long answer to that. I think it's great. With content marketing, are you serving clients? Like, you know, they give you an end goal and then you creatively find a path to that or are you doing it for your own, you know, something that you control like thomaslau.com?
1: So I, like in in the recent years, I, w- I was doing very, very different things and content marketing is just like digital marketing is a huge, huge topic and uh, content marketing is a small part mm-hmm. of it but I was doing a lot of outreach and link building, and uh, I did some PR as well, and then email marketing, automation. And I had clients for, for different things, but I like the most something that I can control. So for example, link building or mm-hmm. PR is very outside of my control zone. So. I can, you know, like spend 100 hours a month, but the outcome is, is not fixed or is not predictable because, you know, like one month you can land five interviews or five placements where other month uh, you, you may land 20. If you focus on content production, uh, that's what I do mostly or strategy and, and production. So most of the time I would offer a strategy. So for example, you come to me and you say, look, we have a drop, sh- drop shipping site. And uh, we're selling organic bamboo bags in, uh, in the United States, for example. So we get bags from Costa Rica and Mexico, and we sell to the United States. So I would say, okay, the, the strategy, we need to figure out what is your customer. So we would do, you know, like a short kind of a brainstorm and, and workshop to figure out what's the target audience, then figure out what mm-hmm. are the pain points, what are the expectations, and try to understand the customer uh, journey or the, the sales funnel. And then for every phase of that sales funnel, we would uh, create different uh, pieces of content. So the the easiest, like very simplified uh, funnel that I like to use is information, education, and then solution. So information would be, you know, like just someone is not even aware of these uh, bamboo bags. So you would just say, you know, like these are top 10 companies in the world that millennials are going crazy. And these are actually helping, you know, like to build a sustainable future or whatever. So very, very kind of like kind of newsy BuzzFeed type of article that's, you know, like easily shareable and people are just curious or some kind of a, a listicle or whatever. And then in the middle would be education, you know, like would be something more, about talking about like okay plastic is actually killing not just our you know like environment but your lungs or i don't know something your food and then you would educate more and in that education phase you would make them more aware of the problem and actual solution but you you are not really pushing that much so at this point it's all these like how to type of articles so how to, you know, like to make your own bag from stuff that you have at home or whatever, or how to reduce plastic consumption this year. So something along those lines. And then inside the education phase, you make the solution more present. And then the bottom of the funnel is really talking about the, the benefits of your product and, you know, like where you can get it and pushing a bit uh, a bit more to the sale. So, so that would be, you know, like the whole process for strategy. And for these different topics, you know, like right now we're just like theoretically talking about it, but I would look at actual data and actual keywords, what people are searching for. And sometimes you're surprised what people are searching for because as a marketer, I have, you know, like this understanding, oh, they're going to be just looking for this and this and, and that. But most of the time, you know, like the language or the angle is completely different and just by looking at what people are searching for. It's not really about like getting, you know, like the biggest or like the most popular keywords because it's, it's hard to dominate these keywords. But it's about like finding what specific questions are people asking and trying to find if there are any existing good answers to these questions. So most of the time, if the question is very specific. The results are going to be from like social media sites like Reddit or LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a huge opportunity because you can see that there's not a single, you know, like a uh, dedicated blog post or an article or a landing page dedicated to answer specifically that question. So one part of the strategy would be, you know, like just going with a client and through customer journey and looking at the data and then. After that, uh, putting that data into strategy and saying, you know, like, okay, we're going to write five articles a month or five a week, targeting uh, this part of the funnel, this part of the funnel, and this part. And this is something that I can control. So I can focus and I can provide a strategy. And then at the same time, I can focus on writing or, you know, like finding expert writers in bamboo, in this case, bags or whatever, or, or sustainable fashion. And these writers can, you know, like charge per word and I can charge per article or per word or per hour for my clients. And that's something uh, more predictable. So that's how my, my search services would look uh, up until like recently. Because before that, it would be, very scattered. They would say, Oh, we want some, you know, like links or, you know, like some guest posting or whatever. So I would just jump on whatever they're asking. And this is really killing productivity, especially if you're a solo fund or a freelancer, it's a huge time-waster because every time you're doing custom work, you can already use the, the templates, the processes, and the workflows that you have built. And, you know, like every time, if you need to find new contractors, subcontractors, it's taking a lot of time.
0: Well, that's a pretty good crash course in being a content marketing consultant and all that's involved in the funnel building process and the writing process and the constructing it as a read uh, business. And we've gotten a little ahead of ourselves in what we kind of intended. Uh, and that's kind of my fault for asking those more detailed questions, but we're still interested <laughs> in kind of starting more towards the beginning of, you know, when you first got exposed to the idea of lifestyle design, because we kind of jumped right into the niche you found as a successful business to run remotely. But if we can, kind of scale back to the beginning and talk about your first time you were exposed to the concept of lifestyle design and start there
1: okay i'm, I'm not really sure when you know like when when it clicked but i think it was really powerful to see the an old interview with Steve uh, with steve Charles where he's talking about you know like the the moment you realize that you can influence the world you can you know like make changes to it. I don't remember exactly you know the video but it's
2: like you touch uh, the world and something comes out.
1: yeah like yeah it's it's
2: dynamic yeah.
1: right 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 so so I think that that video was for me like and I watched it like when I discovered it I think it's from like 80s, 90s something it's it's very old Mm -hmm. but I watched it like 10-15 times I think the first time because I think the first time I saw it I felt like well, there's something, but I still cannot grasp what, what he's saying. And then I, I, I kept watching and watching and watching and watching. And then I felt, yeah, it's easy for you to say you're Steve Jobs. Like, you know, you build this multi-billion dollar yeah. empire and you know, like you basically changed the world. And I think that moment when when I discovered that video, I felt there is something I still don't understand, but I want to figure out because what I feel or or think he's saying. Uh, it's probably, you know, like it's it's not the answer to life, but it's basically something very, very powerful that I want to figure out and, and use to my advantage. So I think lifestyle design is very, it can be very selfish as well. I think, yeah, most of the people are quite selfish because they're interested in, you know, like designing the best life for themselves. But that's just human nature. And I don't think, you know, like you only succeed by By succeeding yourself, I think if you help other people to succeed, you build a better society for yourself. And you know, like just the compound effects happens and then it benefits everyone. But yeah, I think that was the the beginning of lifestyle design for myself. Just kind of like this, you know, like mindset shift that life might not be what I think it is. And there are probably many, many things that I can change. And I think he I'm not sure if it was the same video when he said you know, like everything you, you see around was built by people, no, oh my, by I people, was, no, no smarter by, by you. So that was what I was about to say so,
2: is that, that right, that's right? That it's itself like changed my mindset and right. put me on a path that I wasn't on before. It's just like everything around you. It was a choice by someone before you that was not any smarter than you are. It makes you look at everything different. One thing that you said earlier, though, that I just wanted to touch on and come back to a lot of what you're talking about really flies in the face of, you know, the average nine to five rat race mentality. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that really flies in the face is you said that when people ask you what you do, you like to say, I like strawberries, you know, but when you're talking to somebody that's in that mentality, they'll be like, oh, well, I'm the vice president of first american bank and like talk about it like that and right. it's, it's just funny how directly opposite your answer to it is
1: so for me i i had so i think it's also part of lifestyle design is increasing your self-awareness and really knowing your your own like strengths and your own worth again like i don't i don't want to touch too many topics because it, it might get confusing but i think meditation was the main thing that really allowed me to understand, you know, like the broader term of lifestyle design for myself, you know, like everyone has their, their own definition. For some people, it's, sorry, it's private jets, it's it's living in, on on Bali or California or, or doing, you know, concert or and huge gigs, becoming famous, whatever. And without meditation, I would be still chasing all these goals. And most of these goals are very unachievable for, you know, like most people. And I was just listening to to Eric Barker's book, it's called "Barking Up," uh, barking up the wrong tree. Eric Barker, so so he's saying that you know, like we're sold on this idea that you can become anyone—an astronaut, a rock star, a superstar, doctor, surgeon, whatever—but in reality, like you're not destined for that. Like the odds are against you, and it's you know, like one in hundred million maybe. So so your chances are very slim, and the earlier you understand that your chances at this thing is are, are very slim, you can look at, you know, like very realistic options that you have. So being very, you know, like optimistic and saying like, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to build a business to sustain myself, my family, and, you know, like help communities and causes that I care about. This is pretty realistic and optimistic and you have pretty huge hearts. But if you are, you know, like five foot five or whatever, you cannot, you know, like just expect like, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be on NBA All-Star. Like it's probably not going to happen. Like your chances are extremely, extremely low. So in this case, you are optimistic, but very unrealistic. Or if you have, you know, like if you are born with, with, uh, with some, uh, some bad health and you say like, oh, I'm going to go to Mars or whatever it's very it's very unlikely that that this is going to happen. But if people are, you know, like around you, they're saying, yeah, you can do it. Just, just keep believing, keep, you know, like doing whatever you do to achieve it. And you're also pushing yourself to actually achieve it. At some point, you're going to realize that, you know, like this is completely impossible. But uh, at that point, you may have wasted like 15, 20 years going towards that goal. So I think it's very important to understand that, in life, you don't need much. And right now, you know, like when, when we're going through this pandemic, you understand like, yeah, I actually don't need much. I would just love to, you know, like take a walk without a mask with my friends. That's, that's it. That would make me happy. So this global pandemic, I think it, it brought us a lot of forced mindfulness or, or time to think about what is important and what makes us really happy. And I think it's really important in everyone's journey to you know like design their their own lifestyle. so so I think I, I went off completely the, the the question that you asked, but awareness is probably the key, understanding what are you trying to achieve with uh, you know like designing your your lifestyle. and there are, there are many moving parts, and I think it's it's also important to, to understand that things change all the time, you change all the time, and it's it's all right to go off the, off the track and and start over. I agree with you that if
0: you choose something that probabilistically is just a poor choice in terms of banking on that to be your strategy to be successful and are happy, such as trying to make it into the NBA or make it into a space program where literally only, like if you look at the uh, SpaceX launch like two days ago, only two astronauts go up. You know what I mean? It's just millions of people want to do right. it. And no matter how good you are, they're only going to pick two. Whereas if you choose something with a, everyone can have start, like there's no restriction that only 10,000 people in society get to own their own business, or only 10,000 people get to start websites, or only 10,000 people get to start blogs. So, when you choose something that has a better probability or just no barriers to entry in terms of like a fixed cap, you have a better chance. So, I'm curious to hear how you got started. So, this is kind of going back to the previous question a little bit when mm-hmm. you kind of reached that awareness and that like fully integrated that idea of I can manipulate the world, I can choose my own path and start building a life around my strengths and around what I want to do. Uh, What did you initially set out to do? Did you set out to write right away? Did you set out to start a business? Did you set out to travel and figure it out later? I know at one point you launched a magazine. How did that all kind of come into play the beginning of your lifestyle design journey uh, and ultimately where that led to being able to support the journey that you went on?
1: Okay, uh, I need to try not to go off topic too much, but, uh, highly recommend a book that defining decade, basically a book for 20 somethings about, uh, how, you know, like your twenties are more important than you think. And the way she explains, uh, one of her actual, actual patients explain, you know, like when, when you, when you're in your twenties, it's, it's really overwhelming, especially right now, having so many choice choices because you start feeling uh, paralyzed because you can do whatever you want. And everyone says, like, you can do whatever you you want and you you can become whatever you want, but you don't know where to start. So that kind of analogy that, you know, like the patient gives is you're in the middle of the ocean and you can swim any direction you want, but you don't know which, which way to go. So you're just, you know, like just floating there. And the best thing you can do is just to really try, just pick some random direction and, and just try, you know, like going towards. It. So I think many people in their 20s and I felt the same way where, where I felt like, yeah, I, I got access to the internet. I have so many, you know, like directions I can go to. Like, what do I do? And, you know, like what's the best way to do it? And I want to maximize, you know, like benefit. I don't want to waste my time. I, I want to use my time wisely. Those are the
0: questions that Kyle and I are really asking ourselves right now in our early 20s, recognizing that same opportunity. The internet, you know, we could do graphic design or programming or blogging or marketing consulting or any of those things. So So, so
1: what do you you use right now? Like, what's your thinking process?
0: So we're both finishing up college in the next year or two. So that's kind of a somewhat full-time endeavor while the internet figuring out how to make the online entrepreneurial income kind of is... Not the secondary question, but we finishing school first of all, and I'm studying computer science. But I'm thinking more. I really enjoy writing and want to ask you some questions about your writing process and the strategies you took in that domain. But I like like writing and you know writing on Medium, writing on my own blog, potentially freelancing and writing for other people. I mean, I subscribe to the content writing newsletter from your job post website that you've just created, so I read those emails and I've considered some of those opportunities. Then also very much the consulting route where you know funnel building and web design kind of like taking a team through that strategy and then doing the full stack of that process building their website and writing their sales copy and putting together that email marketing backend but that's a lot of pieces to learn at once and that's kind of mm-hmm. where I'm at right now.
2: Lewis is a very skilled writer he's really he's really really good for me. I'm very passionate about real estate and that's what I want to do long term is is allocate capital into good real estate deals. So right now I'm working a property management internship where I am getting a small piece each week of everything that it takes to run these apartment complexes so that mm-hmm. in the future I can make really good operationally efficient decisions when it comes to running the properties. Lewis and I love to talk to people and this is a reason to reach out to people. Our long-term goal it's just to to have mm-hmm individual conversations with people that we wouldn't normally have access to.
1: That's brilliant. I would do the same. And, and I, I did some podcasts in the past for, yeah, like multiple reasons. And some of them are, are the ones that you're saying. I think use the podcast and questions as well to be very, very specific because I, I went to, I think, WordCamp in Sofia, Bulgaria, and, and I got a chat with uh, WordPress uh, founder. Matt's my moment and and I had probably five to ten minutes you know like to ask a question I'm like what, what do I do like you know like it's it's Matt like what do I ask and then I just <laughs> asked some 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 random you know like general bullshit question that you can just google and so at that time I was running that that design magazine Entrepreneur, and I asked like so like like how do you you know like deal with uh, with hiring talent and like like scaling uh scaling your operations because you know like Managing more, more than three people for me is it's getting hectic and, and, and very stressful. And that's, you know, like that's very, very vague question because for him and for any kind of person to answer that question, you need to provide probably 50 or 100 different data points for them to give more context to better understand you. Because like if your, you know, like context is like, oh, I want to, you know, like build a billion dollar unicorn and want to exit. Different context could be, I just want to build a lifestyle business and never work in my life, which is very different from you know like the first context. So so just by providing that single data point, it would change the answer. So my point here is you're already connecting with people. Just try to ask very very specific questions. Try to ask something quite uncomfortable because like, hey, can you, uh, Kyle or or Luis can can you send me your exact pitch email to to me that you sent you know to Joe Rogan mm-hmm. or whatever. So that's something uncomfortable for you, but most of the time people are going to be like, yeah, sure. Like I'm, I'm just going to send it your way. So from, from, you know, like getting these very, very specifics, you get to, to see how actual things work because right now, uh, you know, like if we're doing the, this same podcast in a month or two and you ask same questions, I'm probably just going to say different things, you know, just theorizing mm-hmm. and trying to rationalize my, my own choices in the past or, you know, like my current choices. Because uh, in the end, we're just really telling ourselves a story. And what I like, the, uh, I think yesterday I, I, I listened to this audiobook by Robert Kawasaki, uh, the new one. It's called Fake. Mm-hmm. And he says history is basically made up of two words, his story. Because you cannot just encapsulate history in, in you know, like written or recorded word or whatever. Because the world is so, so huge. And there's just one, you know, like this, this one person just describing what's around him or around her. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. it's pretty much impossible to encapsulate the reality. And history is basically his story. So for me, it was just mind blowing. At this very early age, I think it's very important to just get really obsessed with details and trying to understand. So like, why do you do it? And like, how exactly do you do it? And could you share your template? Getting this inside peek into their infrastructure or publishing process or or sales process is it's going to open a lot of doors for yourself uh, and gonna gonna fill a lot of gaps for yourself getting back to your question about like how to you know like start i think to try many different things and then see what fits you naturally so for me it took like 10 years to understand like yeah i actually enjoy writing process not the actual publishing. Publishing is also good. It feels good when you publish something and even if you get something and some, some attention, some feedback from it, it just feels even better. But I, I realized like, wow, I actually do it because I like, like writing. It's it's not something yet I'm I'm chasing. So I think doing different things, you start to realize that some things come naturally to you. And you know like for me being from very, very rural place here in Lithuania, I felt yeah like web design and blogging. It sounds interesting, but I just have no idea how to capitalize on that and how to make a career. So I always kind of felt scared. I felt, oh, I need to chase, you know, like a typical economy degree or, or you know, like just get a degree and, and go get a normal job. You have to get your hands dirty for probably two, three years to understand what you're good at, like naturally. Uh, it doesn't have to be, you know, like outcomes really good, but you just have to be naturally curious about the process. So for example, you know, like real estate, mm-hmm. uh, just very recently I, I started like reading more about it, like, you know, like as a, as a, as a, pro- a possible investment uh, option and so on. And you know, like there are many, many things that are just boring for me. And for you, it probably just comes naturally, you know, like, oh, it's interesting. I'm curious about this and about that. And and I want to talk, uh, you know, like with, uh, with your real estate circle. He wants to talk about these things naturally. So you already have advantage that you're naturally gifted and curious about that topic and about that direction. And then if you can combine that thing with online marketing or just paid ads, you can just go as specific as uh, Reddit ads. Reddit ads and, and uh, real estate, you already have a huge chance to succeed because there are not many people are doing. It. And then if you add the thirds, uh, ingredients, you know, like if you master copywriting, for example, like cold email outreach or something, then you are just unstoppable. Like no no, no one is going to stop you because you have these three strengths. And if you can combine all of these, you have a, a huge advantage. Think about the tool or the company or the service that you use uh, obsessively that's, you know, like, I don't care if Microsoft releases new update for their software. I'm, I'm not a Microsoft or Windows user. But if Apple releases a, a new native app or whatever that helps in my personal workflow, I'm actually excited. Like I want to read the news. So let's say you're obsessed with Airtable or Notion or one of these, you know, like productivity tools, things or whatever. Sure. And there's a big chance that there are people who are using it. So there are two things. One thing, like if you become Airbnb consultant the more airbnb gets funding or the the, the more popular they become the bigger your your client pool because the more people are going to use airbnb the more people are going to have problems with airbnb here you can just pick one tool or one service and become master of it and master meaning you know like if you use it daily you probably know already 90% more than just general user who who starts using the service so i think At the very beginning, you can just focus on that one thing and say, okay, I'm going to become a Google Drive expert and expert being, you know, like I'm going to know more than 90% of the beginners. My target audience is beginners and you're going to be surprised like how many people Google every month, like how to log into Google Drive, like, you know, like problems like this or like how to reset your password or like how to create a new document. So, so obviously mm-hmm. these people are probably not gonna pay you, you know, like good money, but try to combine all of these curiosities and like skills that come naturally to you with a specific tool or a couple of tools and then go to business context. At the beginning, uh, just go B2B, combine your, your set and ride the wave of super popular software products. That would be probably the, the best way right now.
2: I'm really, really inspired by your, what you're calling theorization and how you are thinking about all these things all the way through and articulating it all the way to the, to the last sentence. I just wanted to compliment you there and then touch on one thing that you were talking about, and that is the quality of the questions that you ask. I'm a big believer in, in the fact that the quality of the questions that you ask are what determines the quality of your life and how specific and how direct you are with the questions that you ask, the better results you're going to get. No,
1: absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's really scary. You know, like, I don't know about, about you guys in school, but in my school, it was already, you know, like independent Lithuanian kind of education system still like the, the educational and school system still had this kind of like Soviet feeling where you cannot uh, question the teacher's authority, and you know, like when you're taught that the world works this way, you know, like authority knows everything from very early age. I feel I had to really unlearn most of the stuff that was learned in school because you cannot just ask like, why is that? They would just shut you and say like, this is incorrect. I know the answer. Stop asking stupid questions or whatever. So I think asking questions, you, it, it's it's probably a skill as well.
0: We do actually have a few specific questions for you relating to, Mm -hmm. like we've kind of already established some of the things that you do professionally that we are interested in along the lines of writing, along the lines of marketing. So I think now would be a good time to turn the table and give you some of those specific questions. First one's about your work habits in general. So a lot of this work and consulting and writing you did in hostels while traveling and uh, not just, you know, sitting in your same home office. So can you tell us about your work habits and how you were able to work consistently and produce consistently on quote-unquote like an endless vacation
1: when i when i started you know like this this whole like lifestyle design journey trying to figure out how to build a, a better lifestyle for myself and uh, i was just following a lot of people like as you mentioned uh, tim ferris and then you know like watching a lot of uh, steve jobs videos and uh, Tony robbins and most of the stuff is very general because they are targeting really just you know like general public and most of that content is top of the funnel. So that top of the funnel is just informational content. The other day, I had this chat with uh, with Wi-Fi Tribe uh, group as well, like video chat, where we spoke about lifelong learning and, you know, like about habits and stuff. And (laughs) someone just asked, you know, like the the classic question. So how long does it take to, to form a habit? There's research to support whatever angle or belief you have so like if if it doesn't take any time to to form a habit you're gonna find proof or research you know to support that if it takes 16 days or nine days or 264 you're gonna find something so for me i think it was very important to kind of mimic other people what they're doing because i wanted to do what they're doing and most of them, they are talking about you know like habits, consistency, waking up, and, and making up your bed, and 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 you know like meditating, doing exercise, journaling, and so on and so on. And I was doing it like religiously for probably four or five years. So for me, it was just kind of like chasing these habits. And at the same time, I feel that habits might not be the the most important thing. I think the the general direction and behavior like tendencies are more important than just some random habits so at the beginning for me and and still kind of is when i want to reset so yeah at the beginning it was when you go to a new country especially if it's if it's uh, you know like a different time zone you need some kind of reset button and it's very hard to tell yourself like, I'm just gonna sit and work right now. Like it just doesn't work like that. So for me, like very good grounding e- experience was to have my morning routine. And that was highly inspired by Miracle Morning. This book for me was very inspiring because I was kind of like doing my my own kind of version of it. But then I read the book and then I, I felt like, yeah, it makes perfect sense what he's saying. I need to improve it. So it for me, it, it really worked very well like when I would go to a new place I would just have my routine and it would be the same like waking up early meditating journaling reading stretching going to the gym and then getting back to work so when you travel you need to have some kind of a crowning experience or like this reset button as I say and and that for me was was very very important because you know like when when you're traveling every every couple of weeks or every couple of months like your mind just becomes a huge chaos, huge mess. And I think that was very important for me. Yeah. Recently, I started to kind of slow down and slowly settle down in, in one place. With my wife, we spent like five months in in Spain. And right now here in Lithuania, we are, we're planning to be for at least a year. So right now, I don't think my habits are that important because my, my environment is kind of predictable. And then, you know, like when I put these headphones on, it's kind of like mind conditioning saying like, it's time to work. I'm in in my chair, I'm in, in my room here and it's time to work. So I wouldn't say like habits are that important. Once you establish your routines in a way. So in a way, you know, like these habits are internalized already. But yeah, like at the beginning, it's it's very important to get to, into that routine kind of like testing zone and see what sticks, what doesn't. So for a long time, I, I tried to do, you know, like journaling and affirmations. It just doesn't stick with me. And I'm not going to keep doing it just because, you know, like five New York Times bestsellers are saying it. It might be working for them or their audiences, but for me it doesn't work. So again, like you need to be very comfortable with accepting that things are not going to work for you. And you know, like you cannot just beat yourself up and say like, why am I so stupid? Like uh, why programming doesn't work for me? Like it, people are making so much money. I can I can build the next Facebook or WhatsApp or Instagram, but if it naturally doesn't come to you, you cannot just keep beating yourself sure. up. So with habits acquisition, you know, it's, it's more about really your environment design rather than trying to form your habits. Because if there's any friction, you're just going to drop it at some point. Right now, I'm, I'm spending more time giving myself just, you know, like space to, to experiment and think like sometimes I would just say like, yeah, I'm just going to start a new project. I didn't look at the sales. I don't know how, how I'm going to make money, but I feel that there is opportunity in this And I don't know where I feel it or or how I feel it, but I feel a lot more confident because I spent, you know, like last decade building products, uh, doing content marketing, talking with customers. And I think all of these dots, they just connect in the background. And when they connect, they just give you this confidence where you feel like, yeah, it might just work. So I don't want to waste time on, you know, like (laughs) writing everything down, planning. I just want to use that energy. Sprint as far as, as I can and then see if it works. And if it works or it doesn't, then I can reevaluate, then I can look at the, the customer acquisition, I can look at the data and so on.
0: Well, I like that answer to that question a lot. We covered uh, a lot there. I mean, I think during you know, your, the earlier years where you're traveling and you don't have a stable environment, having that stable routine as a substitute for the environment so that no matter where you are, you're doing the same thing and that's kind of necessary to build up. That skill set and learn and be disciplined for that period of time. And now you're kind of at a different point where you're in one place and you aren't hustling necessarily as hard in the sense of hustling where you have to go out and do all these other things and it has to work. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to continue what you're doing. And you can fall back on that decade of experience basically doing the same kind of thing. Another kind of quick question we have for you is what. Before you embark on that lifestyle and during that traveling phase, a lot of people are interested in doing that, but financially that's the big concern, how to make that feasible. What's a good target monthly income to be able to live that lifestyle comfortably?
1: Yeah, I I think it, it comes back again to your personal risk tolerance. Like different people have different risk tolerance. And when I started out, I felt comfortable with the idea that I can make this work with uh, with $1,000. So that was five, six years ago, I think. And I was comfortable with the idea because I felt like I don't mind, you know, like sleeping in, in a hostel uh, because my my desire to travel and learn new things and just see new things. And, you know, like this this idea of novelty was stronger than my fear of I might not be able to, to find a, a cheap hotel or a hostel. I was very comfortable with, Uncomfortability because before that, we did a Euro trip with my friend uh, where we basically, you know, like hitchhiking uh, from Lithuania and we we went to Spain, then we went to Italy, France, and all these like countries. So, in in, like 30 days, I think we went to 11 or 13 countries in Europe. And pretty much every single day, we would go to a new city and uh, we we would use hitchhiking or, you know, like local buses, uh, trains, and we didn't have that much of money, so we were using couchsurfing and, you know, like just trying to use our network to connect with people, to connect with, uh, with their connections, to crash their, their, their couches. So I think that's, you know, like exposing ourselves to that uncomfortability with my friend gave us more confidence that we can actually make it work with like a lot less money than we thought. So you would need to evaluate your risk tolerance. It's, it's crazy how we humans think like why it's so hard to, you know, like start writing because you're already thinking about like, oh, I'm going to, you know, like publish the New York Times bestseller. Like, no, just accept like your first piece is going to suck. But for you, it's going to be a benchmark to compare yourself to. So you just need to like loudly say like, I'm a piece of shit writer. Like I'm going to write the worst piece in the world right now. And no one is going to win, you know, like this, this worst written piece award because I'm going to win it. So you're just right with that expectation. This is going to be the worst thing that people, you know, like ever written in, in the history. And you write it. There you go. It's, it's the worst thing. You already acknowledge that you're, you're a sucker at this thing and from there it's only way up so the problem with you know like the the whole lifestyle design the the whole like nomad digital nomad movement or or going even on your own you know like you don't need to become you know like full time freelancer from day one you can just say like i want to see if i can make a dollar online like i just want to see if 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 i can publish something on linkedin like i have my linkedin profile for 5 years i never published anything i just want to you know share some things with with people and see how it goes and the whole like traveling lifestyle you don't need to start going to 15 countries from day one you can just say like what if i just move to you know like other city for the weekend and see if i can uh work from there or what if i can ask my boss if i can work you know like two days out of coffee shop or what if i just move to another state or move to another country for a month and just see how you know like just see what happens you're gonna learn a lot of things and you're going to become more aware of what you're not aware of. So you're going to be thinking like, Oh, I I know all of these things, but you don't know what you don't know. So I think you're going to just have more information about the way you operate and that's going to give you more, more answers to, you know, like which way to go. So for the very beginning, I would, I would say I would be pretty comfortable going on, you know, like a traveling kind of like tour if I have six months of savings so if I already have some some sort of income source, I would be like, okay, I have six months, you know, like to fuck up, and then after these six months, and I'm just gonna go home because if you already have the income, you're already covering, you know, like the next month. So you're you, you're extending your six month period. So that's that would be comfortable. I was not as patient, so I, I left with like three months of savings. So I had like nothing, like what, like three three k, four k. I had an income. Of probably one and a half, two thousand dollars, which was very variable because I was I was doing freelance work. So you know, like one month would be three K, other months you would get a couple of hundred dollars. So I felt okay with three months of, of savings. I'm, I'm still gonna have some stress because you know, like there's this uncertainty, but I'm I'm having my my uh, kind of like monthly income, and I'm pretty confident I can keep it or even increase in the next, you know, like three months. Yeah. So, so I left with, uh, with like three months of savings, but I think for uh, like general people, six months would be pretty comfortable. So yeah. first of all, try to, you know, like lower your costs, buy some beans, buy some, uh, frozen fish, try to eat for, you know, like 15 bucks uh, a week. Well, maybe more for me, $1,000 in Lithuania is actually a lot of money. Like in capital, obviously, it's not a lot of money because the rent is almost a thousand dollars, but I'm from a countryside. So, you know, like our family was living for less than that, like five people and some animals were living for less than that. So I was kind of like coming from the background of, you know, like really being frugal. So, so for me, it was like, yeah, I, I lived for, you know, like less than a thousand dollars before, like this is nothing new yeah. for me. So I think if you're living in one of these expensive places, try to lower your costs and see how that goes for you. Yeah.
0: I think that's a really good mindset to approach that situation because a lot of people probably think, you know, I need to be ready for tw- like, you know, they read four hour work week or something. And they hear about how Tim Ferriss did like a 14 month trip right off the bat. And it's like, I don't have 14 yeah. months worth of money. I don't already have a supplements yeah. company. I don't know 20 countries. I don't know how to do this, but I mean, it's not so difficult to, if you're not tied to a specific job, to just say, okay, well, I'm in, let's say, me right now, I'm in Arizona. Maybe I'll just go to Mexico City for two weeks. One more question we had for you, and this isn't a super specific question, but it's definitely something we wanted to ask you because it's uh, something you've done that's kind of similar to what we've done. So you had on your blog the Habits or Routine series where you kind of did something similar to what we're doing now, where you brought in a bunch of very successful people, people that were interesting to you, and asked them, habits, routines, why you're successful, just, you know, the standard battery of questions you'd like to ask a successful professional. But what's a dominant pattern that emerged from interviewing all those people on what is something you chose to adopt from your own life as a result of that
1: project? I didn't really have any kind of like agenda. And right now, when I'm looking back at at these questions that I asked, like, I would make them completely different right now. And I'm going to tell you in a minute why and how. So, Habits and routines, they're, they're not that important. What you want to understand, like the way their their mind works and the way they connect things and the way they rationalize their choices and the stories that they tell themselves. And you try to kind of understand the patterns, as you mentioned, like what are the patterns between, you know, like all these successful people. So I think I I got a lot of confidence and a lot of like confirmation that, I'm on the right track because I'm I'm reaching out to these people. I have very similar beliefs and biases towards action and learning and, and entrepreneurship and starting things and connecting with people. When I interview these people, I just feel like, oh, they speak my language. They're interested in the same thing that I am. Most of these people, they're not saying something I, I don't already know. They're just repeating these things or reminding me these things. So that would give me as well, you know, like like you would start just questioning like, so, so what's the secret? And then probably there's no secret. There's just, you know, like picking a direction and being obsessed about it. And, and that, that's what it is. So for me, it was, it was just getting that confirmation. Again, I was, getting, I was getting a lot more credibility because, you know, like once you interview one or the other person, you can kind of use their name to pitch the other person. So just building on top of what you build already. So that would be very powerful for me. And right now, when, when I'm looking back at it, I'm going to probably drop the, the series and I'm going to tell you why. So with, you know, like this podcasting and interview uh, process, you need to think about every single piece as a part of the bigger picture. So for example, we want to target these like best people in different categories. And we want to ask a set of questions that every single question is a small piece of a bigger picture. So for example, you don't just ask like, so what do you do? Because it's not a building block of a bigger blog post, for example. So instead of that, I'm going to ask like, so what are the top three books that influence your writing? So when 15 people answer to this question, you already have, if they're not repeated, you have 45 books that influence their writing. So that's automatically a new blog post that I don't need to produce. It was already produced because I interviewed these 15 people. So you go through another thing where you say like, so, so what do you do when you hit the writer's block? And there are already 15 different answers that you can just, you know, like create an article of itself and just quote these people. And then all of these questions are actually targeting search terms that have a huge amount of uh, search volume. And you get, you know, like traffic and then you also can uh, diversify your revenue channels uh, with affiliate marketing, with ads and so on, because you're getting this, this traffic and people who you interview are generating all of this content for you for free. And then at the same time, borrowing their influence or their name. So with, uh, with interviews as well, what you can do, you can, you can repackage all of the questions and you know like if you're looking at real estate for example how do you write a proposal like can you you know like walk me through the bullet points of your introduction page or whatever you know like something very specific that doesn't have that much value you know like when you when you look at a small piece but when you actually compile it with 10 or 100 people you can draw different conclusions and uh, mymorningroutine.com, uh, they actually have a book as well. Uh, I think it's called My Morning Routine. Uh, they interviewed me as well, uh, which is very similar to what I do with uh, habits and routines. They're just focusing on their morning, on on the morning, questions about morning. But every single question is a data point and they have uh, different, you know, like pages for statistics. And these these statistic pages are very nicely designed. So what time do you wake up? And they have like, 300 people interviewed and they can put, you know, like different times that people waking up on the graph and then you can draw very nice graphics that are very attractive to press, to other bloggers. And it kind of gives you, you know, a chance to attract all of this traffic and attention. Also I think like the strategy for production and for getting, you know, like influencers and experts to kind of like co-create the product for you. I think this is brilliant because you can kind of extract the knowledge from people who are not experts at extracting their own thoughts from their heads, where you read one piece that's written by a designer who knows how to write, and read a piece by a writer who just heard about design. So I think there's a huge value for trying to get these experts and creating a system to extract all that information, because that's going to be completely different, completely raw information that actually works for them, for these people. And it's not going to be some, you know, like recycled stuff that you can find online. But at the same time, you need to focus on selling it to people who actually spend money already. Just look at recent acquisitions, uh, look at what businesses are spending money on, and you can always switch to consumers once you have enough capital. Our generation, we are obsessed about changing the world, doing good, but you cannot do that until you have the capital to do it. So the, the biggest philanthropists in the world, they are not philanthropists by default. All of these people, they did something before to build capital and only then switched to you know like consumer B2C approach for their businesses because, yeah, Thinfers and many big podcasters, they're doing their podcasts because they're having fun. They're, they're chatting with people. Drinking, smoking, and just making jokes and whatever, just having good time and people are paying attention to them because they already did, you know, like their homework, they made a lot of money through through comedy, through business ventures and whatever. And it's very important to look at what people already pay money for and, and then package this knowledge to people that are going to benefit from this the most. So while it's not sexy and not attractive to solve and target businesses. This is where most of the money is and this is where you get the most traction. And I'm a huge believer in making businesses work from day one. I'm, I'm not a big, big fan of, of venture capital where you like Uber or Slack, you're burning, you know, like billions of dollars every year for a decade with hopes that it's going to work sometime. I like to look at what you can solve right now and, and charge from day one. And this this is really hard to do, but if you're willing to bet on the strategy, you, you can just, you know, like expand. And uh, at some point you can just pivot to B2C or, or do another project that is closer to your, you know, like personal beliefs or or your personal cause that you believe in. Um, there was another point about this. It's crazy how much you can achieve about playing in the gray area. So I would play in the gray area a lot, which is you know, between, between. So for example, when I have an opening or I I just have more time or I'm actually short on clients, I would go to my like cold email list and you can just go, you know, like startups that raised uh, at least $5 million in in the last year uh, that are in e-commerce and SaaS space and that would be my target audience. And then I would just go and, you know, like extract all the emails, put it in the spreadsheet and then uh, in the CRM, automate the emails and my pitch would be kind of playing in that gray area. Not saying that I'm, you know, if, if I'm pitching Apple, I'm not saying that I'm working with Microsoft, but I'm just telling them, uh, look, I, I have a, a free spot for kind of writing uh, and I would love to, to work with you, but I'm, I'm considering Microsoft, but I just wanted to, to check in with you before, you know, like I reach out to them and, uh, and offer you, you know, like my kind of writing services. This is what I can do for you. Do uh, you want to chat more or whatever? So, again, like I don't even need to be thinking about Microsoft or emailing Microsoft or pitching Microsoft, but just saying to them that, look, if you don't hire me, like all of this skill set that I have with all these work examples and all of these trends that I can offer to you are going to your competition. So, in most cases, you know, like it's just playing with the angle. In this case, it makes them, you know, like feel like, oh, we're actually missing out if if we don't hire this guy, he's gonna work with our competition, and he might cause us trouble because he's gonna outrank us for whatever. So what I'm trying to say here: always try to pre-sell stuff. Always try to just send an email with what you're thinking to do, but act as if it's already done. So for this, I would go, you know, like uh, in Google sites uh, semicolon linkedin.com slash in slash. So that means that you are only searching for this specific website, which mm-hmm. is LinkedIn. Yeah. And then slash in means that most of the profiles are at, uh, you know, LinkedIn slash in. And then in my case, Thomas Lowe, I think. And, and then you say to Google only search this website and this subdomain. And then uh, in between the the quotes, Marks, was it called parent? No, quote marks. Yeah. That's fine. I think so. Yeah. Quote marks, you say, uh, real estate. So that means that it must, uh, include real estate in the page. And then you add, uh, another space and then quote marks, you add gmail.com. So that means that real estate is a must and gmail.com is a must on the page. So the Google is going to filter out, you know, like, uh, it's going to show a lot of pages that have Real estate and Gmail.com on the page, meaning that these people have their Gmail.com email publicly available in their description, probably or whatever. Because usually, you know, like it's, it's pretty hard to find these emails. So that's that's pretty much, you know, like the first step. You let's say CEO real estate, and then Gmail.com or Yahoo or whatever. You get all these emails, and then you send them, you know, like saying. Like, do you want to see it or it's going to, it's going to cause this and that, or do you want to, to be early, you know, like uh user A beta or whatever. tester give you this or something. One. Yeah. Beta tester or whatever. So with this first email, I can just write it right now after this call, you know, like in 30 minutes and I can send it to hundreds of people and then just see what they say. Like they're going to see like, yeah, I want access and um, I can just say like, okay, I'm, 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 it's still in development. Uh, Thank you so much for your interest. I'm putting you on my uh, email list. And once the demo is out, uh, you're you're going to be the first one to, to hear about it. So this is very, very early because this is very rough, dirty, and quick. 30 minutes, you can build, you know, like 100 emails who are highly interested people in, in your service. And then once you have that kind of like, primary signal or confirmation or proof validation saying there are people interested in this and these people are CEOs or I don't know, like your real estate investors or or something. So these people are like in my like buyer persona target audience. Mm -hmm. So you go from there and you build a very, very simple first kind of version just to, to show to them because they're already interested. They, they see, uh, oh, this is interesting. Like, I, w- I want to see how this develops, but they actually need to deliver something. So once you deliver something and it, it can be just a mockup, you can just make it in, in Photoshop or Figma or, or whatever, just use some template and send it to them. So they can see like the, the tangible visual real result, even though it's not working, not clickable, it can be just, you know, like a JPEG, uh, mm. they're going to feel like, this is something, you know, like tangible, like this could really help my business. this This is really interesting. And then once they have, you know, like this kind of preview, you say like, do you want to be the first, you know, like uh customer this, this is going to cost like 500 bucks, but as a early user, because I want your feedback, I'm going to give it to you for a hundred dollars or whatever you collect, you know, like five, 10 people. This is your validation. This is your... Uh, Initial seed capital to spend, you know, like the next couple of days or weeks, developing that MVP and send it to your very early users. That's that's how I would go with uh, with stuff.
0: Wow! So that was a uh, an unexpectedly detailed and extremely helpful uh, crash course and how to go about doing this. I mean, you're been throughout this whole conversation just a, an idea machine, giving us super valuable advice that we're going to have to go back through this ourselves just to catch it all. Because I mean, just That alone, the idea of that using Google as a list building tool is not something I've ever thought of before, but I think we'll end with one fun, fast question uh, about travel just to kind of leave on a a nice note. Uh, But again, we really do appreciate your time and advice because there's a lot for Kana to (laughs) unpack uh, behind the scenes after that to go over those ideas between ourselves. But what's the most incredible landscape and or destination you've seen from your years of travel and or favorite coffee shop you
1: went to? Wow, this this is a hard one. I think like emotionally it was because here in Europe, if, if you spend some time traveling around Europe, it, it becomes pretty boring because everything just seems the same. Like, oh, another church, another city hall, another plaza, whatever. And there's not a lot of diversity here regarding like architecture or culture. Obviously, you know, like every country has their own history, their own language here in Europe but i felt like the mentality is pretty similar to to what i've seen here in lithuania and i think for me it was emotionally uncomfortable to go outside of europe and i flew to dubai and i felt like wow this this culture is like completely different uh you know like the language their values their beliefs uh, is completely different from what I'm used to seeing in, in Europe. We have uh, pretty much, you know, like the same, same religion and same, same kind of like traditions, uh, festivals and time zone better. Like Europe is super small. So I think like for me, flying to Dubai and, and seeing the huge gap between, you know, like all of these Syrians, Pakistanis, just sleeping outside in the desert and, and building all of these skyscrapers and then seeing all of that artificial culture of shopping malls, of living, you know, like high spender life and not really having that much to offer other than desert and super tall buildings. I got to interact with one Syrian guy living in Dubai. So so for me, it was just, everything was just so new. And, you know, like, uh, I don't know if you understand Celsius. It was probably 40 degrees. So I don't know how much that is in Fahrenheit. But that's like super hot for me. And at night, it would be like 38. So like it would drop like two degrees. So for me, the food, the culture, the whole like vibe of being there was emotionally very, very different. And I felt like, wow, I'm stepping out outside of my comfort zone. And this is scary, but this is interesting. And I want to learn more about like how, how people live here, what they're interested in and so on. And regarding coffee shop, I think... Chiang Mai is probably the best place in, in the world for, for coffee shops. You know, like this is fucking insane. Like, man, like you can go to, I think they have more coffee shops than, than actual people there. So I hope these people are going to be able to recover after this pandemic, but just their their love for the crafts and, and also the, the ratio of the cost to value. Is incredible like I, I probably get, had the best you know like one dollar or even like 90 cents coffee in Chiang Mai that could easily beat you know like Australian or New York flat white or whatever so so for me it was just mind-blowing it's probably not one coffee shop I, I probably couldn't just you know like get one coffee shop that was uh, my favorite but just like the whole coffee scene and Consistent quality across, you know, like the the city was just insane. Like, yeah. how is this even possible? So yeah, that that would be.
0: I went to Chiang Mai twice about six months ago because I lived in Thailand for a few months, and that's funny. We actually had a guest on here who's a, a rapper in Thailand, and his parents owned oh, nice. a coffee shop in Chiang Mai, so it's pretty funny. And we had asked him yeah. about because he's from Chiang Mai. We asked him about growing up there and what the coffee culture was like, kind of. Yeah. If like that's, so that's kind of funny that that's the city you you went to because kind I of made a prediction about what, where in the world you pick, and I was like, "There's a place in Chiang Mai that I know is pretty good." So it's <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty funny uh, that that's it actually is. what you uh, came up with. But we have one last question that we like to ask all of our guests. Uh, so if people, you know, like what you've been talking about, want to support your different projects, read your writing, where should we point them? Your website, Twitter, LinkedIn. Where do you where do you send people if they like this conversation, want to learn more about you and what you've done?
1: Yeah, so generally, like. If you're busy enough, just get whatever you got in the, in this conversation, think about it and apply it. Like I'm fine being where where I'm right now because i I know that many people are already overwhelmed, including myself with newsletters and you know like Twitter feeds and and Facebook feeds and new influencers, new people to follow. But if anything resonated and you want to hear more from me, like my newsletter, I think is the main kind of like place where I share stuff, what I'm working on. And I, I try to be as consistent as possible on that. I quit most of social media two years ago. You can still like find me on LinkedIn, but I'm not really like sharing much there. So my newsletter is probably the best place if, if you're interested in, in lifestyle design stuff, you know, like entrepreneurship, freelancing, and just whatever I find interesting, and if you're a content writer or want to become one, uh, probably you can check out also uh, my, my new project, contentwritingjobs.com, where we're trying to build a frictionless platform to connect writers with companies and organizations seeking for content producers. So we're still like in very, very early stage, but we're sending uh, weekly and we plan to do daily newsletter with uh, new jobs and then new opportunities for writers so if that's something that you're interested in you can subscribe
0: i love that answer or you're not aggressive about pushing it it's i like that a lot this is really fun for kyle and i and we honestly learned a ton which is our goal for doing this so thank you so much for coming on with us and best of luck with your projects and you know i might be applying for some content writing jobs myself as one of the different things I explore per your recommendation of writing and marketing and all the things there. Thank
2: you so much.
1: Sure. Sure. My pleasure. My pleasure. I think learning and, and getting paid to learn is, is the best way because like most of my career, I was, I was promising things to people that I didn't even do. And then, you know, I like I would land clients and they would pay me to do it. So like I would need to figure out on on the job. So like writing and if you have already a background in real estate programming, uh, computer science, whatever it is, you can just say like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this for, for you know, like X amount of money and I'm going to produce, you know, like X amount of articles for you on this topic and that. And they're going to pay you. You're going to be kind of like pressured to actually uh, perform and you're going to learn a lot from that. So So there's just really win-win for everyone. But yeah, thank you guys for, 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 for having me. And if you want to chat more, uh, yeah, you can always find me on my, on my newsletter. Uh, And yeah, like when you subscribe, my email is there. So just respond. Cool.
2: Thank you. And that wraps up our interview with Thomas Lernovich-Juice. I really enjoyed it and I hope you all did too. Louis, how can people help support our show?
0: Hey, Kyle. I thought that conversation was awesome. It was a dream of mine when we started this podcast to get him on the show. And I'm so pleased we were able to so early in the scheme of things. Uh, If you enjoy the conversation and want to encourage us to keep producing content, the best way for you to do that is to engage with the show, whether that's sending us a message on social media with feedback or a cool story about something that happened to you when you listened or something you learned, sharing a post on Instagram, retweeting it on Twitter, or leaving a rating or review on iTunes. Any of those really help us out, know that what we're doing pleasing people and providing value so please do any of those things if you can otherwise we will see you in a couple of days with the next episode sometime next week thank you so much for listening and have a great day